All right, now I made a review of last week, and it was it's not going to win any Emmys uh, for sure, but I, I think it'll I think it probably we should probably go ahead and do it, and it'll remind us of where it is, and they'll start looking better. We got a lot of stuff going on here. All right, let's see where we're at. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to remind you that last week we took our third, I think, look at becoming as a little child. Uh, trying to take seriously that admonition that Jesus said, unless you're converted, become as a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom. So uh, we took a look at it. And the particular thing that we were drawn to last week and looked at was in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, where our childlikeness and being a child of God was linked up with blamelessness and innocence. I encouraged us all to think about and begin to believe in our innocence. Because believing in our innocence clearly is not going to be taking a light view of our life. It's going to be taking a strong view of the work that Jesus did. So I hope you've had a good week pondering your own innocence as a child of God. Uh, and even as I say it now, I know that there's, it's work in my heart to, to believe that. But I think it's important that we do because today we're going to jump to the next level, the next step in that. And we are going to try to believe and begin to act in accordance with those beliefs in the innocence of everybody that we see around us. I think one of the great places we're at and the great privileges we've been given at Joyland is to be able to let people be themselves. Let them ask questions. Let them explore the goodness of God. We're in a culture today that a lot of people believe that the church is completely irrelevant. There are several layers of scientific communities that are trying to make God seem stupid or irrelevant or something like that. But deep in the heart of men, and this is something that we've learned, that that light of Jesus, that life of Jesus that has become the life of men, has been sown in hearts. And so I really uh, believe, I believe with all my heart, that we've been given the privilege of believing in the innocence and the childlikeness of the people around us. And for some of them, we may be the only person, you may be the only person, that actually knows that Christ lives in them, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, and that they have a Father in Heaven who loves them. So we're going to study that today. Uh, you guys know the rest of the stuff. Let's worship like crazy. Um, you can give Amen. using Tithely and just look up uh, the app or, or go to Tithely, T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y dot com, and look for Joyland in Colorado Springs. And, of course, they've got the red chest here if you're, in-house Zoomers, we love you. I'm glad you're watching. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, if you want to jump in, we're going to have time today for a question. <coughs> excuse me, a question and answer session at the end. So uh, take some notes, and uh, we'll see how how we're going to do at seeing and honoring and believing and welcoming and receiving the innocence of those around us. God bless you. I look forward to today. Yeah, good. Thanks. Who was that mask man? All right. So I won't insult myself by reviewing again. I will turn on my timer because I like it, and I'm starting to do something with it. Here we go. Um, the one thing I do have to share, though, that will reflect back a little bit on that is when we were worshiping today, and you're right, Richard, there's some special. It was really wonderful, and it still is. I'm going to talk to you today about seeing the innocence in other people and being active about it, receiving them in that innocence. Uh, and I can, I, I can talk about it 
just out of principle from studying the words and studying the scripture. But I was standing here in worship and I just started having these pictures roll through my mind of Jesus kneeling beside the woman caught in adultery. And this big stamp, boom, innocent. Jesus meeting the woman at the well and this big stamp like, boom, innocent, you know. And Jesus seeing Zacchaeus climb up the tree, boom, innocent. This isn't just a doctrine. It's not just a Bible teaching. It's not... It's not just uh, another installment in a series about being like children. This whole uh, linkage and, and restoration to innocence is, is powerful. And it's a challenge to our faith. It's a challenge to our faith. It takes, uh, it takes something. It takes faith. It takes an application of faith to believe in the face of the evidence in this life to the contrary. And um, so anyway, I'm pretty excited about it. Let's see what's going on here. So we're going to look at functioning as a child in our humility and our ability to receive others as children. And that's why I wanted to wait to pray for the things, because I think once we're through this, we can, we can like, call out through these things the innocence of those people. And, uh, and I think everybody's afraid to think of innocence in relationship to themselves. I think we've thrown that away. We've become cynical about it and everything else. So here goes, supposedly. Oh, there it is. Now I've got to back up. All right. So this is the passage of Scripture we've been in, this Matthew passage, but here it is. Truly I say to you, unless you're converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. For those of you that are visiting us for the first time, we just are trying to look at this and take it seriously, as if Jesus meant what he said and there was an impact in it. And then the next line, there we go, the next line is, whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I think there's a lot for us to learn about how to humble ourselves. But for now, all I really want you to do is think that a humble person receives instruction. You know, a humble person receives correction. A humble person receives uh, wisdom that's, that's handed to him from somebody else. I don't know if, if it needs to be a self-centered kind of look at uh, humility where how do I think about myself, too high, too low. Just think of that. And, and so the illustration here that makes my mind focus on the kind of humility I want to uh, point to and just kind of pass over then quickly, not pass over, go from it to the next issue, is whoever then humbles himself as this child. So just get a picture in your mind. The disciples were asking Jesus the question, who is the greatest? And he called a little child, and the little child came to him. And I don't know whether you envision him sitting down on a, on a stone or on a bench or something, and this little child being near him or sitting on his lap, but he called that child, and the child came. I mean, that's, that's humility right there. You can call it whatever else you want. It's obedience. It's everything else. It's just the humility to let the Lord use you, draw you. And, and so he said, whoever then humbles himself as this child, he wasn't talking about childs in general, that little guy, or a girl that walked up and, and did what he did. He's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then the next line is, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Okay? So just keep that in mind. This is more than a transaction between one person and another. Richard, when you and Laurel go to Burning Man, you're not just looking to receive those people. You will be interacting directly with Jesus. In them, And you know that because you've been there and you've seen it. But this is where we're going. Now, there's another verse down here we'll cover at the end. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. We'll touch base on that at the end of the message. Um, but I want to move on. So how can we do humility and receive others like the child that we are and that they are? How do we do it? Okay. 
We recognize, believe, and guard our identity as children first. It's like the thing in the airplane. If these things pop down, put your mask on first so that you can keep breathing and help other people. So we have to recognize, believe, and guard our own identity as children. If we abandon that, if we throw that away, if we're talked out of it, we won't be able to help the others. The next thing is we need to intentionally recognize, believe in, and receive others as the children Father sees them as, to see as he sees and to realize that we are interacting directly with Jesus. Let me read that one more time. We need to intentionally recognize because they won't, it won't always be apparent in their behavior or their dress or their business practices or whatever. But we need to intentionally recognize and we need to believe in and receive others as the children Father sees them to be. Okay? The next one is we need to consciously avoid being a stumbling block to ones who would or could believe. And I want us to ask the Holy Spirit for help in this. Because I think sometimes we, we are a stumbling block without knowing it. And we're going to talk about a little bit about how that is and why. Okay? So we'll talk about this at the Q&A time. We have a mic going over there. Uh, I didn't turn any lights on. You could ask a question if you want. But if we save them all up, we're going to re, re, uh, come back to these in, at the end of the thing here. <clears throat> what is this key, uh, why is this a key to our kingdom life? Why is it a key to our kingdom life? Why isn't it just a good thing to do? Or why isn't it just a moral thing to do? Well, here's why. Matthew 18.10 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. We looked at this before, but in this context, it says, For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Most of my life, I just accepted the truth of this, but just kind of thought of it as, an, as a nice metaphoric picture of whatever. You know, little kids have angels. There's some references that cross from this passage of Scripture that talk about the angels that stand before the throne. It paints a pretty awesome picture, frankly. And it, it says that their, their uh, angels are beholding the face of God. Beholding the face of God. John says that no one's seen the face of God, talking about humans, humanity. You know, we've seen it in Jesus. But there's an awesomeness, a holiness here that we're talking about. And so this is why I'm saying start thinking in terms of this. How is it that we interface with the kingdom of God? The next one says, what do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine on the mountain and go and search for the ones who are straying? If it turns out that he finds it, I truly say to you, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine which have not gone astray. So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. All right, so they're angels. There is this deeply supernatural spiritual connection that exists when we don't despise one of God's children, one that he, that he sees as a child. And then down here, it says, so it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that even one of these little ones perish. So one of the big questions that gets tossed around all the time is, what's God's will? Well, it's God's will that not one of these little ones perish. And so the role that we can play to recognize them, even if they cannot recognize themselves, is to align ourselves with the Father's will. Uh, here's one more scripture as to why this is the key to kingdom life. Matthew 19, 13, 15. Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked him. And I can understand that happening. 
Uh, he's big, they're little. He's important, they're not. Uh, you know, they probably weren't little kids dressed in their Easter Sunday best. They were probably somewhere in the streets of Jerusalem with snot running out their nose and dust all over them. So the disciples rebuked them, but Jesus said, Let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And I've spent a lot of time lately thinking about children and, and us being called to be children, recognize our, our childlikeness and become like a little child, being the stakeholders in the kingdom of heaven. There's something about a formal relationship of ownership, a formal relationship of belonging, a formal relationship of, of uh, identifying with that children do. So children and those who have converted and become like them are stakeholders in the kingdom. If we relate to children, we are relating to those for whom the kingdom was created. As we receive others as a child that they already are, we experience the kingdom as we choose to see like, believe in, and agree with our Father as he rules from heaven. So even take the appropriateness of being kind to kids out of it for a second. When we choose to see someone like God sees them, we are aligning ourselves with him. When we choose to believe in and agree with our Father as He rules from heaven, and this is part of His rule. He's, he's the one that says, nobody else could say it. Nobody came up to Him with a writ of, of uh, ownership and said, hey, we've made a case in court, now these kids own the kingdom of heaven. That's His desire. That's who He is. Second, we apply our faith the way Jesus applied His, and that is to do what He saw His Father doing. Pursuing these kids. Remember the previous verse said, it's not his will that any of them should perish. Why did Jesus come? He came to save the lost. It says in verse 11. We didn't look at it today. Okay? The other thing about this is seeing and doing leads to more seeing and doing. And I've advocated for a long time, and I feel like I'm getting closer to it personally now. Christianity can be simplified down to knowing that you're loved Listening to the Lord and doing what he says. Seeing what he opens your eyes to see and do it. And I think this idea of receiving people is going to be amazing. And then the last one is huge, I think, and I don't even know how to make it as big as I think it is in my heart. Manifest our union with God as image bearers in the sight of the angels that are before God by identifying with and pursuing Father's little children. I don't know what angels think of us. But when we stand in full agreement with the Father's purpose and will, we are manifesting that image bearer's authority that is a mystery, I think, in heaven. And I think the kids give us a chance to do this, the idea of seeing the child in people and really believing it. Okay, so we're going to talk about this one too. All right, now what does it mean to cause to stumble? Uh, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But, and this is a contrast, whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. All right, so if you pay attention to this verse and are following along closely, you realize that there's some key verses that I'm not talking about tonight, and I haven't talked about it much yet. Starts in this area here, uh, just a paragraph down from this is where it says, if your hand offends you, cut it off. It's better to do that than to be thrown into the fires of, of hell or the fires of Gehenna. 
uh, poke your eye out because it's better to go into life with one eye than to be going into the fiery something. Anyway, we're going to talk about them next week. <laughs> I'm not trying to dodge the scriptures. I'm just saying uh, this is presented as a contrast, and it's a pretty darn serious thing. Even just in, in this life, it'd be better if somebody hung a millstone around your neck and you're not swimming back to the surface if you got that there. So, cause to stumble. Um, so, stumble is the word scandalizo, and it comes from the, the very next word in the concordance, which is scandalon, and it means to ensnare, to trip up, or to, in the, one of the versions, it's the cause to sin. We're going to talk about that. Uh, f- f- the base word from it, scandalon, is the trap stick or the bait stick. So if you've ever made a box trap to try to catch a bird or something, it's that little stick that holds the box up that you have the bait tied to. And uh, another, when it talks about, st- the reason stumbling block is translated is it would be like throwing a log in front of a blind person walking along a path. Okay, And we get the idea of scandal. A scandal is something that's shameful, that's being done, and it's being exposed. And so the link between that kind of an idea of a public scandal and a shame versus the idea of a trap, that's what scandal on is about. That's what uh, a stumbling block is. And so I say if we present or we fail to rebut a false, dualistic, identity-less, and sin... Huh. I don't know what that is. Uh Probably the board, I bet. Let me turn the sound down. Uh, could be. We'll see. There we go. Yep, that was bad. Uh, if so, let me go over this again. If we present or if we fail to rebut a false, dualistic, identityless. What I mean by identityless is a gospel that does not produce identity in us the way God sees us. So in other words, if you walk through a presentation of the gospel that you embrace or you begin to live after and you see yourself as just a sinner saved by grace, you have embraced a false gospel, an identity-less gospel. Because the gospel is designed to reveal who you are as a child of God, as a son of God, as a king and a prince, as a, uh, um, you know, anyway. And then a sin-defined gospel. You know what I mean by that? A gospel where everything is uh, measured against sin one way or another. That gospel will not get traction at Burning Man. (laughs) Nor will it get traction in the Muslim world or in Africa. Not unless they're westernized. If they're westernized and they've been indoctrinated with sin being the defining factor for the depravity of man, they'll all respond to it. But if you get out where people are not evangelized, running around naked is not a sin. Having multiple wives is not a sin. You're not going to convince them of sinfulness to win them to the gospel. You need to convince them of being a son, being a child, belonging to God. And so anyhow, if we're, if we're, if we're presenting or failing to rebut that kind of a gospel, we're putting, are we putting a stumbling block in front of those people? Yeah, the gospel, Ronnie says, can we remind everybody that the gospel is good news? Of course you can, and we should. And actually, we shouldn't even have to remind them. If we tell the true one, it will be good news. 
We won't have to label it. That's like telling a joke and then having to explain the punchline. If we, <laughs> if, if we really present the gospel as we've come to understand it, and that's what I think is so beautiful about it. So um, w- w- how do we throw a stumbling block in front of those who God sees as children? By not seeing them as his children? By putting them on the outside. By failing to recognize that when we interact with them. How about the one Father sent Jesus to redeem? You know, stuff like limited atonement, uh, st- stuff like uh, separation, ignoring the fact that Jesus came down and gave his life for all to be saved. And then who he trusts his other children to receive. And that's what I think is here. And I want to just kind of pin down one concept because I don't want the idea of receiving somebody as a little child. I don't want it to be complicated. Just welcome them. Welcome them as if in spite of how they think, talk, or look, welcome them as if they were children of God and seen as such by God himself. Clothes or no clothes. Welcome, yeah, Richard and I are wearing shorts, and Ronnie are wearing shorts, Tom, we're wearing shorts tonight in honor of the partially clad experiences that Richard and Laurel are going to face in Burning Man. Anyway, the point is, the point is, let's just, it's not this hard. It's not hard. We don't have to theologically figure out how to view somebody as a child. Just welcome them as such and believe that the work that Jesus is doing is there. All right, it's Q&A time. There's one mic over there. This is more of a statement than a question. Okay. I think. Yeah. But I'm sure I can turn it into a question. I, I, I'm sure I can confuse an answer, too. <laughs> if we can see the child of God in us, yeah, then it's going to be a lot easier probably to see the child in other people. It is, absolutely. So That's, yeah. if we can understand that we are a child, we can more easily welcome someone else as a child, understand many things about us, for example, yeah. that we have lots of personalities that we present in different ways at different yeah. times, Yeah. but nonetheless, the core of us is a child. It's right. going to be easier to bypass or look past the things that might be put up to resist us being able to see the Absolutely. child, because yeah. we can see it in ourselves that we are a child, so we can easily, more easily see yeah. it in some yeah. of We had an interesting discussion along these lines uh, on Tuesday. Because, uh, oops, missed the button. No, there's no question, but this is good. I just wanted to show how prescient that I was because I had that first line as the thing in the notes. But think about this. Uh, so Tuesday we talked about the fact, um, and it came out that, uh, okay, well, but it, the Bible does talk about us as servants in other places. It does talk about us as friends. It talks about us other things than child. And so we start coming to realize that, yes, this is true. These are all true, true realities about us. We're sons as well. We're the bride as well. But, but, but it's not like our life is a little pie divided up into pieces. We're all child, just like we're all son. We're all this. And I think we can make a case for that as we move forward. But the ability to recognize the, the, the reality of, the validity of us as a child is, I think, the key, Ronnie, to being able to see it in other people. And the more you see it, and, and that's why I, I did my review. I mean, how many of you did even have a, 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 a second thought beyond last week about your own personal innocence? You did. 
You thought about it at least once or twice. Okay, good. Because it's something that, it's a concept that, that the world has pulled away from us, for sure. It's not natural to think about yourself as innocent. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible to think about yourself as innocent when you get pulled over for a ticket, and you go, well, everybody else was doing it too, and you make some kind of excuse about it. But when you get in the privacy of your own life, uh, and, and you know your bedroom or something like that, you're, and, and you just go, wow, you're standing there looking at yourself in the mirror or whatever, innocent. Is that a word I apply to myself in my normal thought, conversation, normal self-talk? And the answer for most people in our culture is no. But who are we denying if we don't? Not us. We're denying what Jesus did. We're denying what he said. In Colossians, it says that I want to present you holy and blameless before the Father, with a, a, a beyond reproach. Philippians says that if you just will stop grumbling... You'll prove not that you're going to be innocent. You'll prove that you are innocent. That's what it says in Philippians 2.14. Yeah, but, but, but by simply not doing that, it proves something that you already are. You, could, you don't become innocent by not gr- grumbling and complaining. Remember back to the Scripture. I could do it. I've got like 50 million slides on this PowerPoint. I could go back to it. So the, my point is, at some point, we've got to make a choice where we apply our faith. Yes, Vicki? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to read something, and then I'm going to make a comment about it. <laughs> so uh, this is a quote from Rebecca Ains, and I don't know who she are, is or anything like that, but it says, So often children are punished for being human. They are not allowed to have grumpy moods, bad days, disrespectful tones, or bad attitudes. Yet we adults have them all the time. None of us are perfect. We must stop holding our children to a higher standard of perfection than we can attain ourselves. And um, this just really got me thinking about this children adult thing that we have going on in us. And the reality is, is, is I think we would be more honest as adults if we were willing to acknowledge sometimes just how um, childlike our behavior can be. You know, like if you're at work and you just, somebody says something and you roll your eyes, well, that's a childish reaction. But it's also, it's also something that you can just kind of, it's not a sin. You know, being disrespectful is not necessarily a sin. You know, um, I wish I could explain it better. But it's being able to be in the moment fully as who you are. And then... If somebody comes up to you and says, are you having a bad day? Instead of putting on your adult hat, you don't put on an adult hat. You put on, you put on a kid hat and say, you know what? I am having a bad day and I am pretty feeling this way or that way or disgruntled, whatever it is. And I just think that we would have better emotions. I think we would have more honest emotions, but you know, we want everybody to behave a certain way and we even put that on ourselves. And yes, I'm not saying don't go out there and be jerks or anything, but I'm just saying there are days when we are like kids. I mean, literally, like we are, we are grumpy, we are tired, we are whatever. And, and a lot of times we beat ourselves up over that and we think it's sin. And it's really not sin. Right. It's just a, so a bad if I could day. jump off that a little bit, I, yeah. on that one thing I said, we need to talk about what sin is. We don't have time to do it today. We'll do it when we get into the bad things. 
the the verses about about cutting your hand off, poking your eye out, and all that kind of stuff. Um, sin is essentially sin is able to be looked at in one of two ways, and I'm just going to sew this into the moment, and you can think about it. Sin is either a violation of a moral rule, or it is a violation of your identity. Okay? Sin is either a violation of a moral rule or it is a violation of your identity. And there really aren't a lot of other options. And the option you choose to define sin is going to determine whether you understood what Vicky just said and begin to walk that out in your life. Uh, Jen. So... I don't think there's any questions tonight, just comments. So I have a comment too. Yeah. Just, just an observation. Um, when we really believe something about ourselves, we're, we're like at, at peace with it. We don't have to defend it. That's correct. But what I notice is um, people that are. That, that really in the core don't feel that innocence. They're very animated and mad and defending their innocence. Yeah. Like, but it's all it's all the defense against yeah. what they really believe about themselves. Exactly. But we go to yeah. great lengths to um, to try to pretend that we are. Yeah, I, and I, yeah. I just noticed that when we're when we're at ease with that, yeah. we don't have to fight, we don't have to defend, we don't have to try to get someone else to agree. I totally agree. Or, or I, anything. And I think so that's it's, a, me- it's yeah. the very opposite. Of I the think way that's it looks. a measuring stick for for our belief. I mean, we've tried to call belief a lot of different things, you know, and define faith in a lot of different ways. <laughs> it, if it brings peace, shalom. Yeah. Yes, Ray. Yes, uh, when it says Adam and Eve were in the garden and G- uh, God told them, who told you that you sinned, you know? Who, to- who told you you were naked, yeah. Right, who told you was naked. So that's a form of why it goes into like condemnation and all that stuff uh-huh. to that uh-huh. term. But if you, if, you know, if you just think about that scenario that happened with Adam and Eve, uh, that to me is one of those illustrations about you have to settle on what sin is. Was sin a violation of the command not to eat it, or was sin the abandonment of their identity and, and taking up a new one, independent of God? We'll talk about it more. It's a big big difference, big difference. Anybody else got a comment or thought? Uh, any of these questions stir anything before we get out of here? I'm done with my message, by the way. I got started 42 seconds early with questions. Richard. What we're going to do after Richard's question is we're going to pray for these necklaces and we're going to declare a release of of the recognition of innocence over the people that they minister to at Burning Man with them. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of healing needs to take place in the child. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of our hurts came from that child experience, whatever it may be. Sure. Uh, and anybody that's gone through any kind of uh, uh, therapy or anything like that, or been involved in uh, psychology, they say they always look back at the child. Well, where would, it was back there, and so um, I was thinking about that as far as um, in order to be uh, sometimes in order to enter into that childhood, we need to look at 
what is preventing us from entering in? Is there a hurt there? Is there something that's yeah. going on? Some people have had really crappy childhoods. Sure, And sure. so there's that healing that needs to take place yeah. so they can truly enter into that. You know, I think there's a difference, too, between uh, entering into something, engaging in something. This is why I think you know, believing your, your innocence, believing yourself as a child, is different than managing the damage of your childhood. Managing the damage of your childhood is an adult function. Get it in, engaging it and getting into it. You gonna pass them around a little clunks or something so you can pray them? Okay, gather around. Yeah, that'd be good. Yes, yeah, stick them on a few. Yes, sir. One of the new ways for me of seeing people that this revelation has taught me, and I'm not talking about just tonight, but mm -hmm. in general, is the idea of trying to see Jesus in everybody. Yeah. Not just certain people, but yeah. everybody. Like all people, right? <laughs> all of them. Um, and I'd mentioned we're getting closer to understanding what everybody means. <laughs> yeah. And so I mentioned this to Richard tonight, and I'll say it to Laurel as well: is that when you're at Burning Man, it might be really cool to try to see the child in every person that comes to you, because that might be a baby step. <laughs> To getting to the point of seeing Jesus in everyone, yeah, is if because it might that might be harder, yeah, believe it or not, than to picture this person as a child, and there could be some really cool stuff that comes from that. Yeah, I think there. Uh, I think there. There's a bit, okay. We got. We have five minutes before we're going to be done. Uh, yeah, go ahead. That's quick. So I have a good girlfriend, and. Um, she has two boys, and they had a horrible childhood, and she knows um, they were from her first marriage. And one is homeless, and he's back staying with her, and I've been ministering to him. Uh -huh. And we've been going back to his childhood, and um, just the things you're talking about. I mean, to the point he was damaged, and sure. has him stuck. And, you know, it's really interesting because I was driving around town, and I knew he was out on the street, and I ran by him twice, and I'm like, okay, I prayed for him, and I prayed for him both times, and the second time I prayed for him, I prayed in tongues. He had a shopping cart, and he had a chair in it, and I knew that he was camping down by the river and was out, and, and I just kept praying that, Lord, he'd come back to his house, and three weeks later, he did come back. Praise God. So yeah. he's, uh, he has a Bible now, and he's been listening to what I have to say, and, and he realizes that... Um, you know, God loves him, and it's kind of beautiful to see That's his cool. whole inner child getting healed. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'm going to take a, a, one minute and, and let you know, I believe that, that the mission that God has given Joyland, and he's worked into our hearts over the last few years, and he's used a lot of things. A lot of you found some of this stuff by hanging out with Nancy. Others have been on this journey in different ways your whole time. There's a whole world of people out there that desperately needs somebody to see Jesus in them and to see them as a child of God. And we're going to start touching those people and reaching them. And the question is, you know, can we welcome them? And the stumbling block thing, and I want to close on a bit of a negative on that, the stumbling block thing can emerge without us knowing about it because all of us in this room, most likely, grew up through church where expectations were put ahead of people, where doctrine was put over love, and where behavior was how we measured somebody rather than worth. And we are called to be different. And we're not 
very practiced at it yet, just because we haven't had time. We're all coming out of our own thing. And I'm not bringing that as an accusation. I'm just saying, get ready. I think, I think you guys are wonderful. I think I am getting to be wonderful and in being able to see that in people. And I know that my uh, expectation is probably going to get jolted a few times because I still have, remember the, our hearts, we still have the capacity to have that mixture of darkness in there. But that doesn't stop us from being called to receive these little ones. And nor does it disqualify us from doing so, even if we stumble. Because we'll get over it. And they'll have some mercy on us. And the Holy Spirit is working. That's why I said when I brought that up the first time in the message, ask the Holy Spirit for help to not throw a stumbling block, to not revert back to something you expect, to not go back to a doctrinal habit. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you stay fresh and frosty and able to love and see Jesus. Thank you.